ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Friday, June 16th. Your drive begins now at ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. For the next hour, as we get you kicked off for the weekend, we're going to open up our text line all show at 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255 as we head into the weekend. What are you looking forward to? We've got baseball, of course, coming up tonight. The Pirates open up a series at Milwaukee. And it's going to start at 8.10. We go on the air 25 minutes prior, and we do that right here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 9.30. So the Pirates need a win. Loss to the Cubs again, 7-2 yesterday. Division is going to be a dogfight because I don't know if anyone actually wants to hang on, truly hang on to the top spot. So the Cubs taking care of business against the Pirates. The Bucks opening up series tonight with Milwaukee. Hopefully that'll be a bounce-back series. And, of course, you can hear all those games all season long right here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. Keeping an eye on the Guardians. Beat the Padres yesterday, 8-6. to So Cleveland's on the road, and they continue tonight with a series opener at Arizona, and that's going to be a 940 first pitch there. And the Reds had Thursday off, opening up a series at Houston, and that's going to be tonight at 8-10. And keeping up with the Charleston Dirty Birds in the Atlantic League, the Dirty Birds got the victory over Long Island 6-1. Birds are still on the road. They're opening up a series at Lancaster tonight, and that's going to be at 6-30. What are you going to do? It's the weekend And NASCAR racing is off this week. So if you're a racing fan, you've got to maybe change your flavor of racing a little bit. If you haven't already, IndyCar racing this weekend. It's going to be a race at Road America Sunday at 1. And then Formula 1's in action, uh, taking uh, its show to Montreal. Yeah, that's that's the best I can do for you. I don't really have much racing for you unless you're an IndyCar or a Formula One guy. You don't have anything right now. But there is college baseball going on. The College World Series will be going on this week in Omaha, Nebraska. So we do have some college baseball to keep you occupied with. And, of course, if that's not going to do it for you, the National League semifinals, Nations, I'm sorry, because I don't follow the um, the national team that well in soccer, but there was a match between USA and Mexico. USA won that, so it's going to face off against Canada for the championship. And this is where you know, all the nations in this portion of the world, the uh, Concacaf, have always fascinated with how long of an acronym that really is. The CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. USA and Canada winning there. Again, it's it's not that I don't follow soccer. It's just I don't follow soccer. Other than Marshall's soccer, you know this. If you've known me for a long time, it took a long time long journey for me to even come around to that. 
And then, of course, Marshall wins the national championship a few years ago. So, again, Marshall's a soccer school now, so I have to keep up on all that. But uh, how is uh, your weekend going to plan out? Text lines 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's our number to be a part of today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And, of course, there's a lot happening with – First of all, I think we're going to have to get into this. NBA coming out and suspending John Morant for 25 games, and this is following his social media activities, video with a gun. Now, in itself, it might not be the best look in itself, But he's been suspended by the NBA for 25 games for displaying a firearm on social media. Do you think that the NBA is going too far or the NBA hasn't gone far enough, depending on where you fall on this issue? So we'll get into that. And that's going to cost a lot. That's going to cost a lot. It's going to be about $300,000 per game, and it's going to run around $7.5 million in lost revenue. So we'll get into the issue, and we'll take your text, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255, and we possibly have college football realignment continuing. It never ends. San Diego State notifying the Mountain West Conference. It intends to to leave from the conference. Is that a good move for San Diego State? Would they do that as as a collective group of administrators? Would they do that if there wasn't a landing spot ready to go for them? I'm curious about that, what that's going to mean. Of course, trying to realign, trying to reformulate the Pac-12, trying to bolster that league, the Big 12, Pac-12, trying to maintain status as a Power 5. And right now, it looks like it's the Big 10 SEC and whatever combination you want to go there. And then could you go ACC, then Big 12, or would you flip? and take Big 12 over ACC right now as far as just what's stable, what what works. And then you've got the Pac-12. And then after that, it's everyone else. It's the American, it's the Sun Belt, it's the MAC, it's the Mountain West, it's Conference USA. I don't even I don't even mention Conference USA that much anymore. I'm just curious to see where it's going to fall. At the end of the day, I'm going to see possibly a league in Conference USA be regarded lower than definitely the Mountain West and the Mid-American Conference. It's going to be definitely regarded lower. It might ultimately come down to which is the bottom feeder league, and it could be Conference USA. 
So we'll get into all of that and uh, some good news coming out of Marshall today. I definitely want to talk about that. So we'll get your text in, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. It's a Friday for you. We're getting you set for your weekend and looking forward to spending it with you this hour as we take you home on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to your Friday edition. Paul Swan, your host here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text line is open, 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255. This is your opportunity. If you want to get your voice heard, this is your opportunity and you can also find me on Twitter. If you, if you don't want to text, that's fine. You can do Twitter if you're on social, and that's at Paul Swan. But this is your opportunity. you got something to say, you better do it now because uh, we won't be here until Monday. So get it out this weekend. Get it, and you'll feel better if you put it out there. All right, let's get you caught up on what's happening. we got good news coming out of Marshall today. And in... In a perfect world, in a perfect world, everything would go well and you never would have coaching changes and you would never, you'd, everybody would be great. And it almost feels like right now volleyball, everything's great because today an official release from the university earlier, Marshall announcing the promotion of Charlie French to the role of associate head coach. She's been with the Thundering Herd for four seasons. She has been a big part of of the team's success on and off the court. And she works well with Marshall Volleyball coach Ari Agnes. So it was considered in the release a no-brainer. And if you see Coach Agnes, you see Coach French. I'm not saying they're attached to the hip, but where one goes, you usually see the other, and that's pretty good. So a lot of communication with the two and Honestly, I like seeing good coaches promoted. I like seeing good coaches succeed, and I like keeping good coaches. And I've been happy with the volleyball program. And you might look at the records, win and losses, and it's been up and down. You're trying to build a program. COVID didn't help anything, to be quite fair. But I like the way that the volleyball team handles itself, the way that its culture has developed, the way that the coaches handle themselves the way they're out there not with just themselves but with the team so I really like the direction of the volleyball team and I think a big part of that has to be the coaching staff and that includes Charlie French so congratulations to her she has been elevated to the role of associate head coach 304-396-TALK 304-396-8255 8255. That's our text line to be a part of today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And while we're talking about college athletics, let's talk a little bit about a unionization bill that's being considered by the Michigan House for college athletics. It's a bill that could grant college athletes at public universities the right to unionize. Now, what is being argued here is that college athletics 
generate revenue for universities but lack the same bargaining rights as other employees, often prioritizing athletics over academics. Now, again, I'm talking about a bill being considered by the Michigan House, but I think this could apply universally across the country. So this bill is trying to designate public university student-athletes as, here we go, public employees, which would enable them to have representation and collective bargaining rights. It would also overturn a 2014 law that excluded college athletes from the definition of public employees, preventing unionization. Now, in Michigan, I don't know all the issues in Michigan with the political parties, but according to the reports that I've been reading as I've been learning about this, Republicans in the state have criticized the bill, expressing concerns about how amateur athletes, primarily compensated through scholarships, could unionize. Those in the Republican Party in Michigan are saying, basically, they've emphasized the amateur aspect of college sports and the financial support athletes receive through scholarships. Now, let's be honest. They're getting a step up than you and I, most of us did, right? They're getting a step up. Let's be fair. We're not begrudging anyone that. They're getting a step up because... They're being brought into the university because of their ability to perform. And football, definitely basketball, other sports, it's not as maybe you don't get as much. Let's just be fair about it. But if you're an athlete, you might have a good opportunity to come to university, perform, get a scholarship, get an education, Move on to the next level of your life. That could be professional sports. That could be whatever you're studying. But is that enough in this age? In today's day and age, is that enough? Is the promise of a scholarship enough for a student athlete? Or could student athletes be better compensated? And there are apples and oranges here to compare schools across the spectrum. For some schools, easy to fundraise, get that scholarship money. Other schools, tightening the budget here. And what would this do? Would that hurt some of the smaller schools here? But that's where they're at now as far as the criticism. But some of the debate coming out of this is that negotiations with a bargaining unit would cover various issues beyond pay. That includes working conditions, practice frequency, and potential interference with exams or labs. Now, I would have hoped that the governing body would be able to put more emphasis on these very things. The NCAA, you would have hoped somewhere while this organization has existed, that these issues could have come up or at least these issues could have been addressed better. So now, at least in the Michigan House, they're, they're taking this issue up. 
There's also inquiries, and again, I'm, I'm stressing this because I'm focusing on Michigan, but it could have implications across the country. There are inquiries about instances where student athletes were unable to pursue desired degrees due to coaches' demands. There was not specific data available, but anecdotally, the evidence suggests that some athletes may face discouragement from certain academic paths due to practice commitments. And if that's the case, if that is actually the case, there are athletic departments, there are coaching staffs that are doing a disservice to the student athletes because the, I'm sorry, I'm going to be the outlier here. The whole point of bringing these kids in is that you're getting promised a scholarship to further your education and in return, we ask you to be a part of our athletic endeavors. It's not athlete-student, it's student-athlete. Now, again, I don't know how widespread this is, how many kids have been deterred from actually pursuing desired degrees. But I would hope, at least I would think, that for the majority of student-athletes, they're able to pursue their academic pursuits and not have to be pressured into demands from the coaching staff. I would think that classwork would, unless you're actually on the road at a game, on the road performing at a game, or it's game night, whatever your schedule is, and universities make allowances for this. But I would think that the academic pursuits would take higher priority. And again, we're talking about the Michigan House putting this together. So this isn't, you know, this isn't anything that is, you know, directed solely here in West Virginia to what's going on in this state. But I think that if something like this comes about, it could have widespread implications. So this is part of a bill. It's a larger bill, but this is part of a bill in Michigan that is trying to include provisions for graduate student research and, and other things and independent contractors to unionize. Uh, there's also a separate bill. It's focused solely on graduate student research assistance and, and things like that. But this is going to be interesting because if these two things can combine, we might see at least the opportunity for college athletes to unionize because they would be classified as public employees. So now, if student athletes get qualified for unionization because they're public employees and then they're able to come together collectively, I mean, what does that mean? Does that reshape college athletics? Does that reshape how you can interact with the student-athletes? Does that reshape how practice is handled, how scheduling is handled? 
does all of that start to have a cascading effect where it's going to impact these things if this comes about, or is this going to be solely unique to Michigan? And again, legislation is debated all the time. Legislation is brought up. Legislation fails all the time. But I'm interested in seeing how this goes and what this could mean as far as giving student-athletes another opportunity to come together because already student-athletes have the opportunity for name, image, and likeness, and so there are efforts to have some collective bargaining there, some collective management there, some collective representation there. I mean, and that's not a bad idea if it's above board because, again, you don't want these student-athletes to have, I don't want to say free reign. What I'm, I'm trying to say is you don't want to have so many independent contractors out there because there is strength in numbers. And so if there are actually legit people out there that are trying to look out for these, uh, these student athletes, that's great. And could unionization help with these student athletes? Of course. And what kind of initiatives would happen? What kind of impact would that have? I mean, could you see student-athletes walk out and strike? Well, I mean, there's, um, there's a way to, to go about it here. And again, with the transfer portal, kids can leave and, leave and they, can, they can get out of a situation. It's not as if, if the situation isn't good, all right, I'm, I'm getting out of here, and the reasons are vast. It's not just, hey, I'm going to go get a name, image, and likeness deal. It's like, you know... I really want to get this degree here, and I can't do it while I'm here. It's not really working out. I mean, that's a legitimate reason here. But at the same time, if you like it where you're at and you're a student athlete, and if you, as part of a larger collective voice that has to be heard, could improve working conditions and not have situations that interfere with what you're really there for, and that's for educational purposes. I know I might sound a little naive here that the whole point of this is still based on student-athletes' opportunities with their education. I could be naive here, just a little, but I think the whole purpose of student-athlete is a Focus on the student's well-being because they are a student. They are an athlete, so they've got at least two jobs to contend with here. They've got to be a full-time student, and they've got to be a full-time athlete. And now how that balances out, if this helps, all the better. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. we got more coming up. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Friday edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're going to keep our text line open this hour, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. And don't worry, if there was something you wanted to maybe get off your chest, you could say to me, 
And you can't text right now because, let's be honest, some of you might be driving home as we speak right now listening or you're listening to the podcast. And so you're not listening to me live. You can find me on social media. Great place for you to start is on Twitter, and that's at Paul Swan. Looking forward to talking to all of you either on our text line or on social media. So we talked a little bit about it earlier, the NBA suspending John Morant for 25 games following some social media videos that have generated a lot of interest. So he got 25 games. It's his second incident of displaying what looks to be a firearm on social media. This suspension comes after a video of him flashing a gun while singing a car was posted following a previous suspension for a similar video. Now, Commissioner Adam Silver has emphasized the need for Morant to cease this behavior and stated that reckless and irresponsible gun-related conduct will not be tolerated. So $75 million is what he stands to lose. Morant stands to lose $7.5 million. That's a lot of dollars to you and me. And he must meet certain conditions before being reinstated. Now, the Grizzlies have supported the league's punishment, and Moran has issued an apology expressing remorse and a commitment to change. He apologized through his representatives expressing remorse to the league, the Grizzlies organization, his teammates, the city of Memphis, his sponsors. Uh, He also acknowledged that he's failing as a role model for children and promised to be better both in representing brands and making amends to his fans. And he did mention his comments to working on his mental health and decision making. Now, we'll stay with that for a second. It's not a good look. In this day and age where gun issues are a hot topic, there are some that are pushing for more gun control. You look at all the tragedies that have befallen this country, and there are some that are pushing for continuing their gun freedom. So there are going to be some that think, hey, look, what's he doing wrong here? He's a, he's, a, he's a proud firearm owner. He loves his guns. And there are going to be others who think he's glorifying guns. So it's going to be a bad look. Whichever side you take on this, it's going to be a bad look for the other side. If you're against guns, him doing this, and getting suspended by the league, you're going to be okay with it. And those that are gun advocates, gun rights not going to like it. Then if you flip this, if nothing is done about it, then you're going to have some that are saying, hey, look, the league should stay out of his business here. He didn't shoot anybody, whatever the stories and and arguments may be. And then you're going to have gun control advocates that are going to come into this and say that the league should be doing more. Now, the National Basketball Players Association believes that the NBA's punishment is excessive and inappropriate. And they're going to explore options and next steps with Morant. Now, Nike, and here's where we get into the things that are sticky situations because money talks. Money always talks. Nike, which has a shoe line with with John Morant, expressed support for his accountability and well-being. But Commissioner Adam Silver 
emphasizing the seriousness of this. And he points out the gun violence issue and stated that waving guns around is inconsistent with gun safety and sends the wrong message to Morant's large following on social media. And here's another punishment. The suspension would probably mean that Morant would not be eligible for end-of-season awards in 2024, such as MVP and All-NBA. Now, that in itself might not be as bad of a punishment, but again, it does take away from him. And it's also possible that he's going to miss the league's inaugural in-season tournament schedule for the fall, as well as the early part of the regular season. Is this going to be enough? Is 25 games going to be enough to try to encourage him to behave in a manner that the NBA feels is appropriate? Or is this excessive? Is this excessive? Is there a way for the league to foster a behavioral change that they feel appropriate? And again, money's going to talk. Money definitely talks. And $7.5 million lost in my direction. Now, let's be honest. I'm in radio, and it's not for the money. So $7.5 million would mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to you. And it would mean a lot to John Morant. Is his behavior with malice? Is his behavior consistent with what he should be allowed to do as an individual? Or does the NBA have every single right to, to really come down on him for this and to crack down? There are some that think 25 games isn't enough. And it stems from just his casual way of handling his firearm. I mean, if he was in a, he was in a video showing off his firearm collection and maybe at a shooting range and he was shooting in a proper manner, handling his weapon, would anyone have a problem with this? Instead, John Morant's waving his gun around. That's where the problem is. So is it the ownership of the weapon and the possession of the weapon being displayed in an irresponsible manner? Is that the true issue here? And do you think that the NBA did the right thing? Did they give him enough of a suspension? Did they go too far? Should they not have suspended him at all? And again, this is going to cost a lot of money, $7.5 million. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you lose a big star – if you got a star that's not on the court for 25 games, how's that going to impact everyone else? Will attendance be down? Will merchandise sales be down? If attendance is down, concession sales are down. If concession sales are down and merchandise sales are down, people lose money. And so you have one of your big names not on the court, and that's going to decrease the interest at least for this portion of the season in the Memphis Grizzlies. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. College football realignment, could we see more of it? We'll talk about San Diego State. They want to get out of the Mountain West. We'll talk about that when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. 
This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It's our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, getting you set for the weekend. Our text line is still open, 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. I hope many of you are heading down the 9th Street Live. It's our weekly concert series that we have every Friday, and we do it on 9th Street in downtown Huntington. So if you haven't been down yet, check it out. Schedule available online. You can search on Facebook. Go to 9th Street Live, and you'll have all of the schedules so you know which week you want to go down. There's going to be a Marshall night as well. So I hope to see you down there for that one. We've been talking about college expansion once again as far as the conferences are concerned. And it seems that San Diego State's thrown itself out there. This isn't a surprise to anyone, right? San Diego State notified the Mountain West Conference it intends to resign from the conference. The written notice, which was sent by San Diego State University, and this is according to sources, on June 13th prompted discussions and exchanges between the university and the conference regarding the resignation process. San Diego State has been linked to conferences such as the Pac-12 and the Big 12. There hasn't actually been a formal invitation. The university has requested a one-month extension and open discussion on the exit fee, considering factors like its contributions to the Mountain West through NCAA basketball tournament earnings. The Mountain West accepted the withdrawal letter, initiating consequences and financial obligations tied to the resignation. Could... Could San Diego State be in a situation where both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 could be making overtures? And if so, where does San Diego State fit? Is San Diego State a better Pac-12 team or would it be a better Big 12 team? San Diego State's been a part of the Mountain West since 1999. And it's really, if you look at what they do, it's really one of the best athletic departments in the country. That would be a feather in any conference's cap, to have an organization, an athletic department that's well-regarded, well-run. Southern California, that would be an opportunity could the Big 12 benefit more for being in Southern California? Would it benefit the Big – honestly, would it benefit the Big 12 more or would it help strengthen the Pac-12 more? Which one would it help? Because where does San Diego State University go? Where – it's not – the Sun Belt, we know that. It's definitely not Conference USA. We know that. It's not the Mid-American Conference. We know that. We, we definitely know that. It's not the American. No, not the American. Not an ACC school. Definitely not. Big Ten school? Maybe not. I, I, don't, I don't think so. 
not an SEC school. So what makes sense for San Diego State University? It's either got to be the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And, of course, are we going to see – are we going to see just the the group of five conferences, if you even want to call them that, are we going to see the eventual destruction of one or two of them? Because right now, whatever Conference USA is going to be, it's not going to be an elite league. It cannot be, based on what it lost, and what it's trying to replace the losses with. Could the Mountain West start trying to cherry-pick what's left of the good teams in Conference USA? Could Conference USA be a victim once again? I mean, Conference USA over the years has been sort of the it's been where the American has gone to, to steal teams. It's sort of like the American, in whatever form or fashion, pretty much is, I want to say, a souped-up version of Conference USA, a really souped-up version of Conference USA. The American has taken so much from Conference USA. And, of course, where Marshall landed in the Sun Belt was really a good move on Marshall's part. Because it just fits. The Sun Belt makes more sense for Marshall as a member. Wholeheartedly agree that the Sun Belt makes more sense. And it's competitive league. And Marshall's got its work cut out for it to try to be competitive in this league. And that means football. That means basketball. That means baseball. That means volleyball. That means softball. That means all of these sports. Marshall's got its work cut out for it to be competitive year in and year out. You look at the you know, you look at the Commissioner Cup standings there. The standings that spread it all out from one athletic program to the next and Marshall came in 10th. You don't want your university to come in 10th. You want to be in that upper echelon, you want to be competing. And of course, the revenue is going to be there. The revenue is there to put Marshall in a, a higher level. But is that going to translate into more success? I think the Sun Belt's immune right now. I don't think there's, unless the American explodes again, I think the Sun Belt, I think these institutions are pretty happy with the way things are going. And I think the feeling here is that the Sun Belt is in a position of strength and growth. This could be a growth league. And it could be one of those leagues that are in the upper echelon of the best of the rest. Because, honestly, if you're not in the Big Ten or you're not in the SEC, you're in the fringe of the Power Five. And really, at this point, what separates the Pac-12 from the American? What separates the Big 12 from the Pac-12? What separates and I think you're going to see a few more maneuvering gestures from some schools. And San Diego State's just trying to put itself in a better position. And I honestly, I don't know if the Big 12, I mean, can you imagine San Diego State traveling all the way to Morgantown, West Virginia, for a baseball game or a soccer match or basketball, football? Could you, could you see that 
is is that what you want for your league? And I think the Pac-12 would be a better fit. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate every one of you. If you want to be part of what I do on a daily basis, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Swan. You can also find me on Facebook. We have a page. It's called The Drive with Paul Swan. Would love to have you be a follower there as well. Don't forget the podcast. It's free and available to you. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast is where you'll find The Drive with yours truly, Paul Swan. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in once again here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, have fun, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.